Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us for the program tonight. Many of these messages, some of them are preached, of course, the Dr. Stevens messages were preached at lunch wraps and services and in many different places and conferences. Some of the messages that we have are from Bible studies that we've done, and this is from a Bible study that we did at a couple's house in 2010. The first clip in the program is preached by a good friend of mine, and we did Bible studies together for our quite a long time and his name is Pastor Bruce Johnson and he's now pastoring a church in Greenfield, Indiana. And you'll hear him reference this because this was before he left to go and pastor that church. First Corinthians chapter twelve. A lot of times in my opinion about myself, even though I may know the word of God, uh, my character is not always, you know, reflecting the word of God. And in fact, of course, that's very true because the only one who can reflect the Word of God or the nature of the God in the Bible is God Himself through us. Amen? Uh, hello? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, there's a death process. There is an absolute faith step, and as we hear the Word of God and we mix faith with it, and then we ask God to bring us into it. And God wants that. You know, this is stirring us up. And this is a... Uh, so, in the Corinthians chapter 12, it's really about the body of Christ. And I might have shared some of this last week, but I do want to give you a little bit more. Um, and maybe we'll pick it up, uh, let's see, in verse 21. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable Upon these we bestow more honor, abundant honor, and upon our com- uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. This is what I was, I don't think that I understand it in an experiential way. I believe that I read it, I've read it, I've read it, I've read it, but there has to be an emptying of one's own value in their own eyes to really enter into what this is talking about. And it's interesting um, so I'll read it one more time. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. So we sometimes think in this level. You know, we think well, that that may, is maybe less honorable than the other. But remember the the va- the vessels of gold and some of silver. You know, it's gold and silver in this precious temple that God has placed. And you know, that's none of our business. You know, that's really none of our business. In other words, there's people that uh, have... That's uh, Derek, probably. So, just let Derek in. He's from Indiana, originally. This man is from Indiana. Come on in, Derek. I have a chair right over here. Hi. <laughs> and his wife. Oh, good. I can sit over there. And you Hi. Guys sit here. You guys can sit in the lunch seat, and I'm going to sit here. Here you go. Okay. Yes. So we'll just continue on. We're in First Corinthians chapter twelve. I believe that God wants us full of compassion. I believe that the greatest gift is love. I, I believe that this is something that I asked God for when I first got saved. I said, God, please have me to understand this and have me enter into it. 
I remember I was only like 20 years old and brand new saved, like one or two weeks, three weeks old. And uh, they said uh, it was in a Bible Baptist church in the Philippines, and there was a bunch of young people there. But, you know, I got up in front of everyone, and I, I said, you know, because I don't know anything. I'm Roman Catholic, and, you know, I don't know any of this stuff, but I knew that God loved me, you know. And I remember getting up, and I said, God, I want this love. And I was broken. I was weeping. Because, see, God put that in my heart. I didn't do that. Did God put something in your heart? He did, didn't he? He made us very particular, very unique. And and what I did, I didn't understand my own value. Because I grew up in a very strict home and in a very strict religion. And there was no real, come on in here. And there was no real provision of understanding grace. Right. There was no real understanding, here we go, there's no real understanding of mercy and grace. There was just an understanding of rules and regulations and, and penance. And that, that, uh, then we learned that in our culture, at least I did. I learned it in my school systems. I learned it everywhere I went. So, of course, I evaluated myself as a failure a lot of times. And then if I did, I didn't like seeing that failure, so I would put up a facade of being successful. But in reality, I didn't see myself successful. But God saw me as like a little ember or maybe someone just close to going to hell. Because I was headed that way. And he took me out. He snatched me out. Out of here and placed me into the kingdom of God. I was snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. And it took me years and years and years and years of hearing the word of God and understanding that I have value. Right? Now I'm starting to, God's taking me to, I think he's taking me through the scriptures and understanding maybe for the very first time in any kind of level of understanding because I'm going to go to be a pastor in Indiana mm-hmm. and, and it's a tremendous privilege but it's, you have to think, right? You know, I can't just, I, I can't just think about myself. I have to think about the body of Christ and I have to be very sensitive, right, Pastor Allen? Mm-hmm. I am Pastor Tom, Pastor Dan, there we all understand this, right? And as we're growing in the Lord, we understand how we impact people in a very personal level and a very, it doesn't have to be seen by anybody, but it's like a cup of cold water. It's like, you know, hey, it's breaking my heart. I know she got herself into it, but I want to help her out. Yeah. You know what I mean? My heart is locked. That's God in me. Mm-hmm. That's not me in me. That's God in me crying out. And this is what I believe the world in these last days have to see. They have to see Christ. And God wants to take us, in Corinthians, here he's talking about 2,000 years ago through Paul, the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, so we would have the same love one for another. Hmm. We may say we have the same love, but unless God can bring us into that, we don't understand it. We can say it. We can mean it. But we have not experienced it. And I don't even know how to express it to anyone here, because I'm just kind of getting into it. But my life is not my own. And uh, I must surrender my will. I must surrender my appetites, those desires, uh, maybe driven by insecurities, you know, those rooted things. I must surrender them. I must come under God and his word and allow his love to penetrate into the deepest parts of my soul so I'll be free enough to express the love to other people. This is what's going on inside of me. So now, instead of 
how can I get in the situation to build myself up, to make myself look good, which that was the way it was with Adam. Now it's no longer like that because my life is not dear to myself. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com What's been on my heart is success, this idea of success. And people chase success. It's some people's main occupation in life is to be successful. What what is what we measure success by? Certain goals that we set for ourselves. Do we compete against other people? Are we competing against ourselves? Is, do we see success like our uh, like our football coach told told us success was, which winning is success. And losing is failure. What is success? And the Bible speaks a lot about success. It really does. God wants us to know what success in his eyes is. If we've been trodden down by life, if we've gone through difficult situations, if trouble seems to dog us, that not only does God want us to know what success is, but he's made it attainable by every believer. Every believer can succeed in his kingdom. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? Come on. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Every believer can succeed in the kingdom of God, everyone, regardless of circumstances, regardless of past performance. It doesn't matter. So what is, and maybe we have different concepts of this, and I'm going to read a few scriptures. 1 Timothy 6, 5 through 6. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And we're going to read another verse, Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. That's Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I count loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So I propose tonight that success is not gain, right? We know that. It says it in the verse. But I would say that success is loss. Success is loss. Now, you can say success is intimacy. You could say success is knowing God. You could say all of those things, and those things are true. Obviously, they are. The goal of God is that he would conform us into the image of his son. But I say we can clearly measure success. There is a measurement for success, and it's not gain. It's loss. It's loss. Now, that sounds maybe depressing. And there have been whole theologies that talk about this, that we isolate ourselves, that we demean ourselves, 
that we make ourselves small that Christ would be large. But Paul said, I count my whole life loss. I count it all loss. And that means he reckons it in some way in his mind. That word count actually is in the middle voice, which in the Greek means that it's not something that's being done to you. It's not something that's being done by you. It's something that's being done to you by you. Like I wash my hair is in the middle voice. It's something that's being done, but you're doing it to yourself. I do it to myself. I count it all loss. Now let's read some other scriptures. Second Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith, in all your persecutions and tribulations. Now let's substitute persecutions and tribulations for loss there. What is persecution and tribulation? It's when my friends, who were my friends, are no longer my friends. It's when people out there persecute me because of my belief in Christ. Because I've lost the acceptance of these people. I'm no longer in their circle. I'm now outside of it. And I've lost that. That ye endure. It's your, your endurance, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. Because it's about who you're suffering with. Christ suffered. And we suffer. And we suffer. And it's, and it's part of how we know, in a sense, that we're Christians. That we're in the kingdom of God. Because there's another, there's another group that says, you're not of our group. Now, we can be kind, and we're loving, and we're like, for all these things, so there's no real reason. Maybe there, there could be some reasons. It doesn't matter. It's all about that we stink of Christ. Right. We smell of the savor of life. And people either are going to smell it and go, that's a good smell, or, or they're going to smell it and go, that's what I don't have. That's death to me, because I can never attain that. I can never gain that. I can never get that myself. And people inherently know it, just like we knew it before we knew Christ. Righteousness, no, I can never get that. I've fallen so far short of that. I can't gain in that way. No, you lose your own life, and you gain the righteousness of Christ. It's given to you. You lose, and then it's given to you. You pour out, you're empty, and there's more room for God to pour in. And that's how God sees it. And that's how, Ephesians 3, 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, whom created all things in Jesus Christ. What is the mystery from the beginning of the world? There are a few, but one we know about. It was Christ crucified before the foundation of the world. It was a mystery that would be revealed, that the creator of the world would suffer. He would suffer loss. He would not only suffer loss, he would suffer loss of all things, all things, hanging on a cross, humiliated, hurting, forsaken by the Father. He suffered the most loss, and he's exalted in the highest position. Second Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, 
for my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my loss, in my weakness, in my loss. It becomes a place of boasting for me. I come before God and I go, God, you know what? Today, today, God, with joy, I tell you, I have nothing. <laughs> nothing, God. I got nothing to give you. How about that? Come on. How about that? Those days that were before which I thought I could give you my talent, which I thought the gift you gave me was something for me to give back to you because you needed it, because you needed me in your plan. Guess what? Today, I come, God, and I'm glorying and I'm happy about it, I say, Nothing, God. I got nothing. Nothing. I've lost it all for the glory of knowing you and seeing what you're going to do today. What are you going to do today? That's my occupation. That's my, that's my mission. And God says, okay, come on. You got nothing? I'll give you something today. I'll give you something. You got nothing? We can't have that. I'm going to add unto you today. I'm going to send you. There are going to be people. There are going to be new mercies for you today. You can clearly hear me because there's nothing in the way now because you've lost it all. Hmm. Okay, one more verse. Romans 8, starting in verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You know, a military man looking at another military man in full uniform, and he's got ribbons on his chest. What do those ribbons mean? If you're not a military man and you don't know, you say, wow, that's a well-decorated man. He's obviously been through much. But to the trained eye, to the one who knows what those medals mean, he walks up close and he says, you were in Vietnam. You were in World War II. You were injured in combat. I can tell because of the medals on your chest. We wear invisible medals. We don't know them. We didn't put them there. But everything we've lost in this world, huh, it isn't lost in the kingdom of God. No, sorry. No, it isn't. God's bottled every one of our tears. He says we've been heroes in combat. We've represented Christ. We don't know it. We can't see these things now. But God looks and he says, he sees each loss. You lost these things for me. I will give you much. I will give you much. I will repay, saith the Lord. As children of the king, uh, our loss is in a different category. Amen. Even if it's the same, even if it looks identical. We sit in a hospital room, and it's our son, it's their son. But because this is like, because in a, in a sense it's who we're with. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And in this case, we know the king. And like there was an earthquake in South America, and we have compassion for people in a city where they're 
their buildings and structures crumbled. But if my sister was in that city, there's a different urgency in my heart, isn't there? And it's not because I'm a respecter of persons. It's because I know my sister. I love my sister. I care about her. I'm making phone calls. I'm frantic. I may see the news. I don't know many people there. I may see the news, and I may pray for them and have deep compassion and make decisions. But I'm frantically calling because it's my sister. And this is how Christ feels about every one of us. And there are those that don't know him. And although their loss may seem similar, like like my heart, like when something hard happens to you, if I hear about it, it happened to me this week. Someone made a phone call. They told me something about something that happened to them, and immediately my heart was smote. Like I just deeply got off the phone and thought, God, I have to work. Through I'm at work. I have to work. Help me, because I just am heartbroken for this person. Wow. Now, that pain, in a sense, is shared because of love. And that's what God does with us. And for those who don't know him because they haven't accepted him, they don't have that privilege. They don't know him. He He's done everything for them, but they don't know him. And he doesn't know them. And unless they get to know him, there will be that day where he'll just say, I'm sorry. I never knew you. I wanted to know you. I sent people to tell you about me so that you would know me. You didn't want to know me, and so I don't know you. And so your loss, like our loss has great value because of the person who cares, and that's God. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. So suffering, very important subject to get a handle on it. It's very important that we understand and we are able to balance our human suffering and the suffering that goes on in the world with the reality of a loving, merciful God. And there is a balance, and we find it in the scriptures, and we understand and when we do have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and we suffer through different things that in life that many people will suffer, or everyone will suffer to one degree or another in this life, but to know that God is with us and there's a fellowship that comes in that suffering. Now, if you've not received Christ as your Savior, it's, I can't tell you how important it is. The scriptures say it's absolutely vital to receive Christ in order to have entrance into heaven and to have eternal life with God. But in this life, to go through life and all the things that happen to a human being over the course of a life, alone, without the presence of God, without knowing God, without having assurance of that oneness with God, and Him being with you, and Him being for you. You don't need to go through life that way. You can know God, and know Christ as your Savior, and He will be with you, and He is a faithful friend. So would you pray with me? Would you receive that free gift of salvation that was purchased for you? 
on a cross 2,000 years ago, but in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. God's plan was to suffer for you, to suffer the pains of death, to suffer the penalty of sin. You pray a prayer, Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering for me. I do receive that free gift that you've given, the gift of your Son, Father, the gift of your Son. I pray, come into my life, cleanse me, make me yours, make sense of my life, I pray. Be with me through the darkest hours and the deepest joy and the deepest suffering, I pray. Be my Savior, my Comforter, my friend. I give myself wholly to you, Lord, with nothing to bring, with no good deeds on my account, but instead coming by faith, believing in this sacrifice, in your atoning death, burial and resurrection, I pray, and make me whole. In Jesus' name.